again with Catherine Nolan with Breath of Fire. You've got Alexa Riley up in your ears. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know how to start this shit. (laughs) Oh my god. So I wanted to tell you uh, last week I watched uh, The Justice League, the movie that's on HBO. I realized Mm -hmm. that's not Marvel, but I was really proud of myself because it is a superhero movie. Yeah, It, It has like Batman in it. And to be honest, Ben Affleck is no Batman. I don't care what anybody says. No, it's not happening. Michael Keaton is the best Batman that ever lived. <laughs> and y'all can all eat a dick. <laughs> you know, I've watched it though. It was four hours long. Was it really? Yes. Damn. So apparently, and I cannot remember the name of the director. I should have looked this up. This is probably super disrespectful because I didn't. But it's a director's cut. Because the guy who who filmed most of the movie, his daughter died while he was filming, oh, and shit. he he tried to he took some time away. He came back. He tried to film again. And he couldn't. His daughter died by suicide. She was I think she was in her early twenties maybe, and um, so he tried to come back and finish it, and he couldn't. But what he wanted to do was to do this four-hour movie. It was This movie was made, and I'm probably getting this wrong. I think it was in 2018, maybe, this movie was filmed. And it was supposed to come out before, like, Aquaman, Wonder Woman. It was supposed to come out before yeah. those. And it didn't because it was, like, delayed for all these reasons or whatever. They had to get another director to come in to finish it. And they ended up, like, they chopped it way down. And so when they finally released it, it was after those movies had come out. So you, it it felt repetitive, the Justice League did, because you already knew some of their backstory, even though they talk a little bit about it. So anyways, so as a tribute to that on HBO, they, they don't, I think all the actors came back together and did a couple of, like, pickup shots and they ended up using all the footage he had filmed the first time. And he came back and he finished it. And so this Aww. was like his masterpiece. And at the end of it, it says it was for her. Like it has his daughter's name on it. And I just like fucking burst into tears. I was like, I don't like superhero movies. <laughs> you know? But it was just, oh, was I so should good. watch that this weekend. It was so good like i i don't like i said don't like superheroes i love superhero movies they're just not normally my jam i I need more of a love story and there's not a ton of that in there but there's such good friendships and i think there's such good friendships and i'm always for the good guys i'm like yes Mm -hmm. there's nothing dreamier to me than a good guy that's why i'm obsessed with captain america well especially that's probably why i don't need a love story either Mm because i'm yeah, yeah, you're his love story. It's me. I'm the love story. <laughs> well, you know, and in, in that same vein, too, they're almost like underdogs. You know, the mm-hmm. good guys are the underdogs. They're having to defeat this bad thing, you know. So everybody loves an underdog, especially when they're the good guy. Yeah. So, and and again, you know, I, I love the friendships and stuff that's in it. And, you know, Jason Momoa is not bad to watch for four hours. <laughs> and in, in case anybody wants to know. That was not a hardship. <laughs> and also, Gail Gadot, the Wonder Woman, like, 
that woman could do filthy things to me and I would not yeah. report it. <laughs> like, like she could just drive by and slap me and I'd be like, yep. <laughs> like, she is gorgeous. Oh my God. But, um, yeah, so that was, it, it was really interesting to like see the dynamic of the characters and how they all came together. And like, it was really, really good at the end. Like I kind of didn't, I wasn't sure how they were going to like wrap it all up, but they did. But yeah, it was seriously fucking four hours. But what's great about it is that it stops. There's like a little pause. Um, but it's, it works in the movie. It's not like it's in the middle of a scene. It's like a scene will end. And before it cuts to the next one, it's like part one, part two. So if you want to break it up, you can, or you can watch the whole thing. So yeah, I really liked it. So I haven't watched WandaVision yet, but I'm going to, we were, um, away this past weekend, but I think I'm going to watch it. You said it was like an Alexa Riley book. And I was like, well, I mean, I'll, I'll give it a chance. Their love story is probably the most epic i think okay i'm here for that so i'm definitely going to watch that you know we have some some stuff to do out in the yard this weekend because our driveway is all finished so that's so nice i know it's really i got to park on it today for the first time i rolled up on it i was like i wanted to do donuts (laughs) i was so excited that probably had to be the hardest part of going away last weekend for you is you didn't get to stay and plant flowers no i know i was like we could be planting the garden right <laughs> but we're gonna do that this weekend um my husband started a neighborhood garden um in the house we lived in before we even had kids uh there was a church that was a couple of houses down from us and they had a big grassy lot in the back and he talked to them said you know he said would you mind if we did like a community garden in your church uh in in the grassy you know part in the back and they were like Absolutely. It was this little Methodist church and they didn't have a lot of people, I think, like that came and, you know, went to church there. But um, so they were like, we're really not using it. You know, feel free. Yeah, that's that's fine. And so they were so generous, like they let us use their water and everything like to we just donated, you know, to them each month for their water bill. And so um, but the neighborhood ended up we Kevin was friends with like a couple guys in the neighborhood. They all got together. They built these beds. It grew all this produce. Like you could go over at any time and like take whatever you wanted. Like it really was like a neighborhood garden. And since then, it has fucking blown up. So really? yeah, every Sunday, well, pre-pandemic, they're actually getting back to it now. Every Sunday, they have music in the garden and they have they would have people that would come out and like play music and stuff, like Families bring blankets and chairs. Like, they open up the church. Like, it's actually really freaking sweet. Like, going out there. And it's so cute to see, like, all of our neighbors and stuff. Like, out there. And they'll do it at night and stuff. Like, it's in it's in the San Susie in Greenville, if you ever go check it out. But they have, like, all kinds of artists come and, like, play, you know, and sing and stuff. And it's just, it's so cool to, like, be in the garden where it's at. And, like, kind of where it started. And there's like this picture of him, you know, Kevin with a with a couple of guys that started it in front of the sign and everything. Like it's it's so cool that he That's I, neat. Yeah, and I always thought it was really cool that he did something like that. And so um we had a garden uh after that, a really small one when we moved away to Newburn, but we only had it for one season before we had to move again. And so um we bounced around a lot. 
So this will be the first time in about eight years that we've had a garden. So I'm really excited. I'm probably going to plant way too much. Like I'm going to go overboard. I'm like, we need 22 tomato plants (laughs) just in case. (laughs) Have you guys ever done that? I know your mom does. Have you ever done anything like that? Or you just go to her house? I've never done any gardening, no, but my mom does. She has like, my dad built her huge boxes out in her backyard and mm-hmm. stuff. She just, that's all she does most days. Yeah. She just goes out in her garden. She's got like, she drives around and hits different spots on the land that she has stuff planted. And I love that. It's like her full-time job. <laughs> She's got the best hand. I bet she does. Um, so what does she grow? Like, does she grow like fruits and vegetables? Is she like, you know, she's like one thing in particular? She grows everything. I love that. Pumpkins, watermelons, Mm -hmm. tomatoes, nothing's off limits. I remember my mom grew watermelon one year, but you have to have a lot of space for that because the way it like vines out and everything, the same with like zucchini and cucumbers and stuff, like it's just going to take over. So you got to have room for it. So I don't know how much of that we're going to do, but I'm just, I'm so excited. I feel like this is going to be a fun project and I'm, I'm excited that our house is going to look not like it's abandoned (laughs) with all the, the dead plants and shit that are in it. So, so I also have like something else I wanted to mention and I don't know how to like really start the discussion other than to say so I read an article the other day it was on like Newsweek I think and um the woman that wrote it said the it was she talked about the reason why she can't watch Game of Thrones anymore and she said it's it feels like it glorifies rape and like you know degradation of women and stuff and I remember Jen Frederick said something to me about that years ago the reason like when the show first came on she was like I'm not watching that shit and I was like oh my god really it's so good I love it blah blah and she's like nope not happening like from day one she was like I'm not getting into it I I guess I guess she knew about the books or whatever I don't know I didn't really I don't know why it didn't bother me until recently and I don't know why all of a sudden, but maybe it's because I'm just seeing it differently or, you know, there was the Me Too movement. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe it's just the different perspective I have now. But as I'm reading this, you know, I just finished reading the Robert Dugani book, the the Tracy Crow. I'm thinking that a man is writing about sexual assault. And it's like, I think that's the part that kind of like, that maybe bothered me the most was the... That that was the, like, part that, I mean, it's not a spoiler or anything. Like, that's the case she's trying to solve. And I'm like, why, of all the things that could be solved, why is this it? You know, like, why does it automatically go that he's, he says prostitute so many times in the book. And I'm like, it's 2021. Like, say sex worker. You know, like, like, sex work is work. You know, like, like. Yeah. If you're going to discuss this as a topic, like, come on. As a man. Yeah, exactly. And his, you know, his main character is a woman. And I think he does a pretty good job. But, like, she's tall, blonde, fit, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I, it, like it kind of bugged me a little bit, this last book. And I don't know if it's because I had that article fresh in my mind. And, you know, that's why it bothered me so much. But... 
It's like in a in a story that it's fantasy, I know, but like in the story where the only thing that happens to women is rape. Like yes. that's their that's their entire you know, their entire storyline is based on rape. And I just like I I don't know, like when I was reading it, I was like, Oh my god, that's so true. And then she talked about like the handmaid's tale, how it's the same thing, like there's the only driving factor and, you know, because sex is power and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, that's not the only thing that happens. That's the only struggle women deal with. Yeah. You know, like I'm afraid of that, but you know, in my life, that's, you know, not the main thing I do. I just get tired of hearing about it too. I don't want to be reminded of these things all the time, but it seems like that's what it always comes down to in things. It feels like it's, um, I don't, I don't even know the right word to say it. It's almost like it's glamorized by men. Was like, are you getting off on this? Like, I don't know. You know, if I'm like, if this is all you can write, like, is this, is this your sick fantasy that every woman, every woman character in your book is raped? Like that says something about you as a person, right? Yeah. It, or that's, you're just not creative. <laughs> like, if that's the only thing you can do to hurt a woman. It's like the cheap way to get emotion. Like when people yeah. make somebody cheat in a book. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's that's such an easy, low-hanging fruit. And you're like, oh, how do we put how do we put emotion into the scene? How do we put passion into it? Let's rape her. You know, like it's just it's so fucking weird. And it's like the more I've re- like I just read this article, then I started this book, and the more I'm reading it, the more I'm like pissed off about it. Yeah. But yet, yet there is break fantasy. That I am totally okay with. Mostly because it's written by women. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. And it's a safe way to enjoy something like this. I don't know. Why is my brain this way? Or my vagina? Uh, Either one. I think a part of mine, too, is I don't like to do rape that's real or real-ish. Yeah, yeah. Like, that gets me uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and, like, anxiety. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah. even seeing it on TV, and I know it's acting, I think it's because I have certain fantasies about it. it just like, I got, I don't want to watch this, or I'll yeah. fast forward. Mm-hmm. Even my husband knows that I won't want to watch it, or yeah. I'll fast forward. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think there's, you know, like, even the books we were talking about, you know, in the last episode was, like, the forced submission and stuff like that. That, it, to me, like, there's a safe way to enjoy that in romance to where it's not... You know, it's not real. And that the same could be argued about Game of Thrones. Like, it's not real. But it's also not a romance. Like, it's not done out of love or, you know, compassion or, or whatever it is. Like, I don't know. It's, I think it makes a big difference when it's coming from a woman. Yeah, maybe so. I don't so. know why. Mm-hmm. It just does for me. I'm yeah. just like, okay. Yeah, I think so. It doesn't feel like a fetish in that way where it's like, Oh no! You doesn't feel like a fetish, and they know it's hurting somebody. Yeah. Usually, you put yourself mm-hmm. in the role of mm-hmm. the heroine. Yeah, you know, and that's like I love the the dominance in a book. You know, the possessiveness of a man. I, I love that in a romance. That's my favorite thing. But like, it's you know, to like in the Game of Thrones, like to push a character's a woman's character to push her storyline forward. That's not the only way to do it. Like, that, not the only way for her to overcome something. 
And I think a lot of times, though, with the female, when they're writing it, at the end of the day, it's actually the woman who has all the power. Yeah, yeah. She could end him pretty Mm -hmm. much if she walked away. You know, there was an example of, you know, Jason Momoa that's in um, Game of Thrones. He plays the Khal Drago or whatever. And there's Daenerys Targaryen. And they were saying, like, you know, she's sold to him. And if you haven't seen this show already, Mm -hmm. it's like 15 years old. So the spoiler. Um, so she's sold to him and he, you know, she has to sort of just like let him rape her and then they have to convince her or they, they tell her, well, like if you pretend that you like it, then he'll be pleased. And so she has to like figure out how to enjoy it. And then she does and she falls in love with him. And I always thought that was like really hot. I'm like, okay, well, I like this storyline. But then it was like when it was broken down in the article, and I was reading it from a really, from an outside romance perspective. I was like, yeah, that's really fucked up, <laughs> you know? And it took me reading it, you know, to, to sort of take me out of that. And then I got to thinking, like, as she's listing off every single woman in the show, and I'm like, yep, yep, yep. And then it was like, and then she started naming, like, all these other shows where it's sort of the same thing, where it's like, oh, this is the only way we can prove strength in a woman is for her to get over a sexual assault. <laughs> it was like... Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, it, I it don't know. Is. It's, it's eye-opening. But at the same time, like, I feel like this is an important discussion because I think people should be able to like what they like. And I think that people should be able to, if this is what you want to watch, you should watch. But it also confuses me because I don't know why I like one and not the other. Yeah, I don't want them to, like, take Game of Thrones off. I yeah. just choose not to watch it. Yeah, for sure. It made me have a different perspective on it. Like listening to an outside source, it was like, oh, wow, that is different. But I also like that, too. I like to some somebody to be able to challenge something that I like, you know, mm-hmm. or to say like, hey, have you ever thought about looking at it like this? And as I'm reading this article, I recall Jen Frederick and I having that conversation years ago. And I yeah. remember thinking like, holy shit, she was totally right the whole time, you know? And it just, I didn't see it, you know? I didn't see the forest for the trees. I think I watched, like, the first few episodes. I was like, nope, too much for me. I'm not, mm-hmm. I can't. Yeah, I can't yeah. do that. Yeah, I'm like, tough. I'm out. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, there's, there's stuff about it that, you know, I love. That was one of my favorite shows. And so, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't want it to change or be but, taken down or anything. But I do look at it differently. You know, I don't know what's weird, though. It would irritate me, the hell out of me, when my husband would talk to me about the show. Yeah? I would pretend to listen, but it would irritate me. Like, I didn't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah. And I remember that. Really? Oh, wow. Yes. That I would, he would always want to talk about it and what's happening and what he thinks is going to happen or da-da-da-da-da. Or he read Mm -hmm. the book and this is what's supposed to do and they didn't do Mm -hmm. that. And I would just, like, nod. But mm-hmm. I was like, I hate when he does this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I just, I found that we found it really interesting in a, in a different way to look at something. And I hope that, you know, I don't know. I hope I've, I don't know. I hope that when we write something like that, or we've written it in the past, I hope that it's in a way that it can be safely enjoyed without it being a threat to someone's, you know, perspective on, 
you know, just just how a, a female character is written, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It turns me on. I don't know what to yeah. do. Mm-hmm. But yeah. at the same time, I like, it would be a little awkward if a man told me he was reading it. And really liked it. Yeah, yeah. I saw um, someone. I would probably be like, what? You like it? (laughs) I'm like, you're not supposed to like this. (laughs) That's fucked up. You know, I saw something the other day that uh, there's someone's doing a book box, a romance for men or something. It's a romance box for men, men who read romance or something. I was like, are there men who read romance? I'm sure. I, it has there must be someone out there that does it i'm i'm always shocked i wouldn't be surprised i mean there's not very many of them but there's male romance authors i would think that yeah. they they had to have gotten into this somehow somehow yeah i mean obviously like you know if they were like jagger cole you know i mean he writes a ton of romance yeah. I don't, I'm all, I'm often surprised how many books he's written in this genre. He's wrote a ton. And yeah. They're like dirty I've, romances. Yeah. yeah. I've enjoyed them. They're, he's never said something that I was like, okay, yeah. that's weird coming from you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. You know, but one of the things about him too is that he was up front that he was a man from the beginning. Yeah. Like he never hid from that. He never tried to like trick anybody. There have been male authors who have done that. We were just yeah. talking about this the other day. Oh my we god! <laughs> no. So there was this author. We're not going to say who it is. This is a long time ago. Long, long. This was back in like 2007, maybe 2008. Yeah. I think. I think that's when this happened. It's backwards, but so there was a yeah. woman who wrote super dirty books. I mean, like if. Bannable. It was out right now. Amazon would be pulling it, but because social media wasn't so big back then, mm-hmm. and the community wasn't that big, nobody was reporting it or whatever. There so wasn't Instagram. Wrote, I mean, there was yeah. Facebook, but nobody really talked about it. Like so, so dirty, whatever. And then another, a man came out and wrote the series, mm-hmm. um, a BDSM series, and then a while later, he said that he was dating this woman. Yeah, that they were, yeah, that they were together. They were together. And I've seen a picture of her and I've seen a picture of him and I was like, I don't know. That's so mean, but I was like, I don't know if I'll buy She was really hot because we were like, and he was really gorgeous. Yeah. He was kind of, But anyway, so I was teasing him and I said, I wanted proof of life of her. Like, I didn't believe that she was alive or whatever and I thought that, and then I was convinced that she was actually him uh-huh. and she said she was a man to sell books which were it did but then we found out i was completely wrong <laughs> i had it backwards yep it was him he was real and he created the woman and the like, what? and the books that he wrote as a woman immediately were fucked up immediately like when i found out that a man had written him i was just like i'm gonna be sick <laughs> like it was like it was like some twisted like horror house shit i was just like oh my god no <laughs> so yeah and like there's you know been an instance of you know someone that has a very feminine sounding name on their book covers even though it's a, a man that writes it if you go to their social media you can see it's a man that writes it but i think it's readers wouldn't know if you just saw the book and clicked it so i don't know i feel like if you gave me 10 books and you were mm-hmm. like one of these is written by a man i could yeah. tell you which one yeah yeah i agree i feel like you could pick it out of a lineup mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
But I don't know. Does that say more about us or them? I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm like. I just think, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just think mm-hmm. that we think differently. Yeah, true, true. So. I'm always surprised at men I see in this. There was a man who used to come around to all the conferences and would like, he knew everybody. It was, he was older. I don't know if you remember him. Like I short. remember him. Yeah, like he was at every single conference, knew all the authors, like all the books yeah. and stuff. And I was just He's like... He's a librarian, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And like, it was He's just so nice. strange. <laughs> no, I was like, this. it was so strange, like seeing him around here where I was like, okay, <laughs> like that. there's that. <laughs> I didn't expect to see that in here. But you know, it... But there has to be outliers like that, you know, like people who who like the genre, who enjoy it. And I, I think that's really cool. You know, if a dude's into it, you know, my my husband wouldn't read romance, not because he doesn't respect it as a genre or, you know, a, a whole industry. It's just he doesn't look for a love story when he watches something or when he reads something. That's not what he looks for. I look for it in everything. Me too. Yeah. Even if we start watching a movie, I'm like, are they going to get together? Am I going to like this? What did I send you earlier? Well, oh, shit. I said, I was like, listen, uh, they uh, they called a state of emergency on North Carolina today because we are out of gas. So apparently there's like this main gas line, you know, because we're on the coast. It all comes here. And so there's a main gas line here. Somebody fucking hacked into the system and like took it over and something happened and like they, they redistributed everything. It went, went crazy. And like that. And so there's a shortage. And so it's going to take them like a week to catch up with the fucking shit they did. And so, and even when they catch up a week, everybody's just going to be refilling and stuff. So it's going to take them a couple of weeks to get back to normal. So anyways, they declared a state of emergency. So I text Mel and I'm like, hey, by the way, this happened. And what was your response to that? I was like, oh, I'm sure it was like a hero or something cutting it off because the hero was trying to get away. (laughs) She she couldn't go anywhere. (laughs) I was like... Why does my brain go here? Why, why does that my was like head my do this? immediate thought was like, why is this happening? And then some, said, so there's a lover's quarrel. <laughs> yeah. I said, I'm just going to go drive around the block till bull shows up if that's the case. Like, if that's what's about to happen, like, let's get to, let's cut to the chase, guys. <laughs> so. My mind all automatically turned everything into a romance. totally ridiculous oh by the way let's talk about what we're writing right now that was something else i was like we we keep forgetting to talk about the books that we have that are new um this week i think we have set we're actually going to do the a bundle a summer bundle i think comes out this week i think it's this friday shit it was inspired by a picture no no this is big city crush comes out today it's the third book in the pink spring series i'm sorry i just looked at my calendar so that book comes out this it'll be out tomorrow so if I really you're enjoyed this, that one yeah that was really really fun to write I, I had a good time with the both of them he was like really laid back it's really dirty too he's really dirty but for some reason I don't know why I enjoy a story where the hero is all in mm-hmm. but the heroine doesn't realize it and yeah she's kind of like having self-doubt and all mm-hmm. this stuff but he's over here like all in but he's like I'm not going to tell her how all in, all in I am because I'll freak her the fuck out. Yep. She'll get scared and run away. But meanwhile, he's like buying them a house and, you know, <laughs> like naming their kids. That's how the, um, the Dean books were that we oh, talked about Oh, yeah, episodes. yeah. Okay. I love that. 
So yeah, so make sure you grab Big City Crush out tomorrow. And we also have upcoming, we have a summer bundle that I think is coming out like the 1st of June. And um, I think, yeah, maybe maybe the week before I had to look and see the calendar. That one is like just three of our like favorite summer reads that we have that we put in together. So we're just going to do that in a bundle. And then we have one that we just finished last week or today. It was about, it's a kidnapping book. And I don't know how we ended up here. I don't know how we got to this point. So we started this book where we talked about on the podcast. I think we maybe discussed it on here. But so the girl was kidnapped when she was young and she was raised by this family. And this guy shows up and takes her. So she's freaking the fuck out thinking she's getting kidnapped when he's been hired by her family to bring her home. So to like hunt her down and find her. We had this whole thing. We had talked it out. We're like, great. We know where it's going, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it became a daddy book. It became a daddy book. Because I made a joke. (laughs) A joke in the book. And then it was like, she started calling him daddy to piss him off. But then Uh he's like, shit, I kind of like that. (laughs) And she's like, I kind of like that too. (laughs) And then they just went for it. But that's the thing I like about daddy books. I want it to be where they've never been that before. uh And it just comes out. And you're like, Uh whoa, where did that come from? Well, and you know, when we've written daddy books in the past, it's very, like the, like their first one, it's very much a role that they play where it's like they play pretend when they're in the bedroom or out of it. (laughs) But it's like, she's a little and she wants to be this way and he wants to be a daddy. And it's like, they do this together. And so this one was just like, it's nasty. (laughs) This book is so fucking filthy. He's super, his dick is so big that he has to like... Like, he has to like break her in slowly but surely this is so awful I can't, I can't even describe it he has to like fuck her just a little bit like a bunch of times before he can fuck her all the way oh god it's so awful it's terrible but it's good it's so good and it's just like, there was one part, like I finished wrote, writing and I was like, I wrote my chapter. It's nasty. <laughs> I was like, I just got out of it. I was like, I just got to shut that down. <laughs> so that's coming out in a couple of weeks. So we don't know what that one's going to be called yet. I said I wanted it to be like kidnapping my baby girl <laughs> or something stupid. That's not bad. That's not bad. Oh my God. That's so terrible. I said kidnapped by the daddy. I don't know. Like, I just, I want it to be something so ridiculous. Because this book is. It's yeah. so, out, it's just way out there. I love it. So, that one's coming out soon. So, be on the lookout for a kidnapping daddy book if you see it. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to go ahead and play uh, the second installment of Breath of Fire by Catherine Nolan. Just a quick reminder to make sure you enter this week's giveaway. She's doing a signed paperback of Out of Breath. Sorry, Out of the Blue. It came out this week, so it's brand new. This That book, Out of the Blue, is set in San Diego. It's about the beachy, badass surfer lady. So that's awesome. So if you like Breath of Fire, you're definitely going to get all those feels out of Out of the Blue. And she recovered Bohemian and Landslide. But yeah, if you see them, those covers are just gorgeous. Go check it out. So we'll play the second half, and we'll see you on the other side. Three. Sage. Tendrils of anger, of hurt, clung to my words. Until I'd seen Olivia yesterday, 
I hadn't realized how often I still thought about our relationship and the way it had ended. Her first semester at the Pratt Institute on the East Coast certainly had its challenges like any long-distance relationship between two young people. But when she'd broken up with me, I'd still been holding tightly to the idea that Olivia would be mine. Forever. Sage, she sighed. Do you really want to revisit this? I do, I said. I think I'm still a little mad at you. She nodded. That's fair. Breaking up with you was one of the hardest choices I've ever made. And I... Sometimes... What? I regret it, she said, softly. I wondered if bringing her here was a mistake. Touching her in class certainly had been. The feel of her soft skin beneath my fingers had ignited a ravenous hunger in my body. I wanted to go back in time to our study sessions in my bedroom and the many ways we'd tease each other. Kisses on her cheek, her knuckles brushing against my cough, the miniskirt she'd insist on wearing, flashing me glimpses of her underwear whenever I got an answer right. You do? I asked, barely believing the words. Olivia bit her lip, took a big breath. Sage, the four years we spent together were the best of my life. I know we were young, and it was just high school, but you were my best friend, my boyfriend. I love, I loved you. But that first semester in New York City, I was spending my weekends in galleries, meeting other artists. I was creating some of my most interesting work. But every time we talked, you were listless and bored, uninterested in anything beyond the beach. It made me feel so far away from you. Plus, back then, I didn't want to move back to Playa Vieja. And you didn't want to move to New York, she shrugged. We were 19. The last thing I wanted was for both of us to compromise our dreams for a relationship. I thought it was better to end it responsibly before it got messy or weird or turned into something more hurtful. Her words made sense, but all I could remember was how hurt I'd been the day we broke up. I was convinced Olivia had gotten everything, running back to Brooklyn with her dream school and her dream career, my heart in her hand. I'd had nothing to fill the space she'd left. Until I found yoga, I'd always been jealous that you had this drive and passion for something specific. I just, well, I rubbed my hand over the back of my neck. My passion was always you. My passion was you too, Sage, she said quietly. But even though breaking up was horrible, and I spent the entire spring semester bawling my eyes out, it was still right. We needed to find our own way, separate from each other. We'd been together since we were 15 years old. I think there's a value to striking out on your own, don't you? I do. I agree with you, I admitted. If we'd stayed together, I would never have moved to L.A., taken that yoga teacher training. I was so angry with you, I couldn't stay in Playa Vieja anymore. So I left. And now... Your life is wonderful, she said, 
smiling. But I am sorry, truly. That day on the beach, the day we broke up, I really tried to just be truthful. I didn't want to hurt you, but we needed to be set free. Now I feel bad for bringing it up, I said. It's dumb for me to be holding on to it. It was so long ago. I'm sorry, Liv. I'm sorry, Sage, she said. And I don't think it's dumb. We were important to one another. You're still important to me, Olivia, I said, leaning forward in the booth. The tips of my fingers brushed against hers. Was I an asshole to you when you were at Pratt? She wrinkled her nose. Not an asshole. We were just experiencing different things. I felt like I'd been dropped into this paradise. I'd never felt so alive. I'd never felt so sure that I was where I was supposed to be. The only thing missing was you, she said. But I overestimated how much a long-distance relationship sucked. And, yeah, honestly, you were sometimes an asshole. I laughed. That first semester, I basically flunked out of every class at UC San Diego. Fucked around with friends, drank too much probably. Missed you. And yeah, was an asshole about it. Her full lips curved. Not hearing your voice every day was horrible. Not having someone who knew so much about me, who shared my same memories, who truly saw me. I kept drawing your face. So much so that my roommate would yell at me every time I started to draw a strand of curly hair. Olivia reached forward, brushing a strand off my forehead. A tender touch. One she'd done a million times when we were younger. Four years is a long time to be with someone. Especially back then, I said. We had a lot of firsts. She flushed. Olivia and I had shared every sexual milestone, and even as teenagers, our chemistry burned red hot. Before we'd lost our virginity to each other, Olivia and I had perfected the art of dirty humping. On her basement floor, my bedroom floor, against our lockers, behind the bleachers after soccer practice, once before a movie, Olivia had dragged me into the back seat of my car and laid her flat on her back, legs splayed open on the seat, and dry-fucked us both into gasping orgasms as the windows steamed over. That's true. Every person I've dated after you has, uh, not been up to par. She tossed her hair and let our knees graze each other beneath the table. In what way? Her eyes traveled down my chest, over my waist, and landed between my legs. They've had a terrible taste in music. How so? I smirked. Very, uh, small taste. Tiny. Still such a fucking flirt, I said, shaking my head, as our waiter slid a giant plate of chocolate peanut butter brownies onto the table. For me? Olivia clapped her hands together. All for you, Liv, I said but only if we stop talking about our dumb breakup and start talking about what you're doing with your life as a bohemian New York artist. Olivia stuffed a giant piece of brownie into her mouth and chewed. Her hair shone glossy black in the diner light. You're sure you don't want to talk about how, I don't know, you're famous, 
she asked. I shook my head, reaching over to steal a bite. She tried to slap my hand away, but I was too fast as usual. Nope, I said, pointing a finger at her. You can learn all you want about me on my very public Instagram account. Oh, please, she sighed. Maybe I already follow you. Why, thank you, I said, stealing another bite. It felt strange to talk about my celebrity with someone who knew me so intimately. Now, tell me everything. Her face opened in a beautiful smile. After I graduated from Pratt with my degree, I had two pieces selected to be in this gallery in Brooklyn, which was the most phenomenal thing I'd ever experienced. I went there at least once a day and stared at them through the window, she laughed. What were they? I asked, in love with the idea of Olivia's work hanging on a gallery wall. Charcoal portraits of my parents, actually, she said. The gallery was celebrating expressions of interracial relationships. It was in honor of the anniversary of the Loving Decision in 1967. Olivia's father was Vietnamese, and her mother was white, and it made so much sense to me that her first gallery pieces would be portraits of two people who had supported her art career wholeheartedly. That's incredible, Liv. Did they come see it? They sure did, she said. They didn't get Brooklyn or why I was suddenly covered in tattoos and living in a loft with five other people. But they understood that I was fully embracing who I was. No hiding, no shame. I must have taken 400 pictures of them posing in front of their portraits together with these huge smiles. That was a really great day. She paused. Kind of like today. I held her gaze for a moment. Happy to hear that. Although, can I ask you an annoying question that I'm sure you get asked all the time? Is it, how did you make money? Yeah, I laughed. All of our career counselors were so concerned about you. But you never seemed to be worried. She shrugged. The most important thing was that I got a job that gave me the mental freedom to still create. So I worked at an art supply store and got paid to basically fuck around with paints all day. At night, I picked up a few shifts as a bartender at this local bar near the loft. And then, every other free minute of my day, I drew. In museums, at parks, at bus stations, at farmer's markets. Some of my pieces ended up in galleries and sold, which was great. A lot didn't, another shrugged. But I kept going. You never doubted it, though? I asked. Rita's offer was ringing in my ears. I want to make you a fuck ton of money. I'd managed to suppress the thoughts of my looming decision in Olivia's all-consuming presence. But I only had 48 hours left. You never wanted to just, I don't know, make a lot of money and be financially secure? Olivia tilted her head, pressing her knee more firmly against mine. On pure instinct, I reached down, squeezed her knee with my fingers. An affectionate gesture she used to love. A few years ago, I went through a rough time. Artistically, she said. I was so blocked, feeling bad about myself. Like I'd lost it. Some friends and I pooled our resources and rented a gallery space for the weekend. A pop-up art show, we called it. 
We had music and tons of rad art by mostly women artists. Sculptures and light pieces and performances. And then my charcoal portraits. A minor art reviewer came out and wrote up a pretty critical review in one of the papers. Called it Juvenile. He sounds like a huge dick to me, I said. Olivia laughed. Thank you. He was. He wrote like one sentence about my pieces. Called them pedestrian. Boring. She looked out the window. I tightened my fingers on her knee. Well, fuck that guy, right? That's how I feel now, she said. And I guess it showed me that the art community still had this large segment of people who view art in any form within this rigid, serious, usually male-dominated context. Sure, our opening was juvenile. And that it was fucking fun. It was a weekend of art with friends, and those pieces were an expression of our lives and our experiences. The fact that he didn't like it is his prerogative. But I let it get in my head. Like, deep in my head. She tapped her fingers against her temple. Day and night, I'd hear the words pedestrian and boring. And I stopped creating completely. Oh, Liv, I said. I can't imagine. I wish you had called me. I would have come to you and probably punched that guy. Her eyes softened. It was years after we'd broken up. I think I remember checking your Instagram at the time, and you were teaching a celebrity yoga retreat in Bali. Right, I said, coughing awkwardly. Well, uh, that was just a side job to, uh, what? Make a fuck ton of money. Interesting, she said which was always what she said when she knew I was bullshitting. So what happened, I asked. I took a job as an executive assistant for a pretty high-powered CEO. It was only a year, and I made great money. But it basically crushed my soul and destroyed my will. She laughed. It was terrible. I worked 10, 11-hour days, six days a week. My life was nothing but this horrible stress that would sit on my chest. I always felt like I was choking. It's actually why I started doing yoga. Something to soothe my anxiety. And it helped, I asked. Of course, she said. Like a lot of people, my yoga practice changed my life. I leaned forward, excited. It's so simple, but it's so necessary in this culture we currently live in. Your body craves this combination of rhythmic breathing and rhythmic movement. I wish everyone had access to it. Like people who are struggling much more than... Uh, I trailed off. Much more than celebrities, she said gently. A topic for another day, I said, circling my thumb on her knee. She sucked in a breath. So I did it again slotting my fingers just an inch higher. Tell me you quit this job in some spectacular Olivia fashion. Like painted, go fuck yourself on the reception wall. How did you know, she said. I winked at her. Because I know you. Well, I did quit in a very adult manner. And then I slept for a full week, only going out for yoga classes. And then... Her voice cracked. It was like this flood, Sage. 
A year's worth of artistic energy moved through me like a, like a wave. It was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Overwhelming, too. But it just showed me that I was probably always going to be a pretty broke artist. But a happy one. I'm really proud of you, Olivia, I said. You're still my favorite artist. I'm really proud of you, Sage McAllister, she said with a cheeky grin. You're still my favorite subject. We stared at each other, my fingers dancing carefully up her leg. The feel of her skin beneath my fingers so goddamn decadent I couldn't stop myself. Live, I started. And then our waiter swung by with the check, shattering the moment. Can I walk you to your car? I said, throwing a wad of cash on the table. I'd like that, she said. We stepped outside the Paradise Cafe and stood on the edge of the boardwalk, staring at the ocean bathed in moonlight. I'd always loved Playa Vieja at night. For locals, it was our private escape, free from the tourists, a time to sink into the cold sand and let the waves wash over you. I, uh, have some big news to share with you, I said, as the two of us watched the reflection of the moon on the water. Oh, yeah? she asked. I got offered a deal for a TV show yesterday, like a lifestyle show, where I teach yoga and interview guests. I turned to Olivia who was staring at me with wide eyes. Sage, she said. That's, I mean, that's incredible. You'd be a TV star? I guess, I said, laughing softly. I towed the sand, hands in my pocket. They're waiting on my signature as we speak. The producer told me it'd be a metric fuckton of money. Well, of course, Olivia said. Money and even more fame. That's what you want, right? No, my brain whispered. I do, I said. It's a way to reach even more people. And there'd be, you know, like silly merchandise and stuff. T-shirts, coffee mugs. I swallowed, nerves rushing into my throat. Interesting, she said again. And I knew what I was saying was bullshit. You don't think I should do it? I asked with an edge of defensiveness. I didn't say that, she said lightly. I'm just not sure Sage McAllister, yoga celebrity, is who you are. Well, I'm probably going to sign the contract. I mean, I will, I said, stampeding through the nerves. If it makes you feel good, then do it, she said. I'll watch your show every day. I promise. Yeah? Oh, yeah, she laughed. Watch and drool over your abs like every other fan you have. They are pretty great, I said dryly. Oh, shut up, she said, as we walked toward the parking lot. Hey, maybe you could talk about some of my drawings on your show. Make me famous, too? But don't tell them I'm your ex-girlfriend or I'll get death threats. The moment I talk about you on TV, Olivia... The entire country will realize I have a huge crush on you. Me? She teased. No way. The night was coming to an end, and as I inhaled the sea salt air, I felt desperately torn between these two distinct desires. 
Olivia, or fame. But the answer seemed easy when she was standing right in front of me, looking gorgeous in the moonlight. Always, Olivia, I promised. I had a crush on you ever since our freshman year. Still have a crush on you now. Four, Olivia. It was a good day. I sold two more pieces from my installation to a young couple that loved art and were happy to chat with me for an hour about their favorite artists. And then I gone looking for apartments in Playa Vieja, stumbling upon one close to my parents' house. It was the bright, light-filled third floor of an old Victorian near the beach, filled with built-in bookcases and stained glass windows. It had a very, very small second bedroom I could turn into an art studio if I wanted. And the moment I'd stepped inside, my heart gave this happy little shimmy. It felt like my new home. I'd still need to get the rest of my things from Brooklyn, tie up some loose ends, but it all felt right and real and possible. And now I was back for Sage's last yoga class, laying flat on my back, feet together and hips open in a butterfly stretch. Eyes closed, breathing rhythmically, attempting to sift through the hundreds of emotions brought up by my quasi-date with Sage last night. It was so wonderfully unexpected. And even though I knew he'd be leaving for Los Angeles tomorrow, and probably becoming a famous TV star after that, I was desperate to see him again. I still have a crush on you now. Between our casual flirting and his fingers on my knee, every nerve in my body was fizzing, effervescent. I was aroused, nervous, happy, and freaked out, all at the exact same time. In fact, in my hotel room last night, I'd stayed up for hours after, drawing, attempting to capture that image Sage had invoked in me yesterday. A woman with the body of a warrior and a breath of fire. Sage had been back in my life for all of two days, and I was overflowing with creativity. Do you remember the night of our senior prom? I fluttered my eyes open to find Sage, crouched next to my prone form. He smelled like sandalwood and looked like sex, shirtless, tan, barefoot, just the right amount of scruff on his jaw. Of course I remember our senior prom. Your parents took pictures for an hour, and we were almost late because of it, I said, remembering 18-year-old Sage in a black tux. My mom kept saying, you're going to want these to show your grandchildren someday, Sage said, flashing me that crooked grin. Ah, that's right, I said. Wouldn't those future grandchildren love to know that later that night, we both got drunk at Julia Markham's after prom party and had sloppy sex in her guest bedroom. Sage laughed, a hearty, full-throated sound. I'm sorry, I was pretty bad at sex then. You, uh, you weren't bad, I admitted. I'd meant what I said to Sage last night. Not only he spoiled me for other sexual partners with his impressively sized cock, but Sage always had a single-minded obsession with bringing me pleasure. Good to hear, he winked, and I wondered what sex with Sage would be like now. Both of us older and more experienced, and hungry for each other after six years apart. You know, I whispered, and he ducked his head lower. If you keep coming back here to talk to me, 
your fans are going to get suspicious. I'd already felt a few glaring eyes on us. Ah, he said, I'll let you in on a little secret. He crooked his finger at me, so I half sat up, raising my head. Sage lowered his lips to my ear. The only person I care about in this room is you, Liv. My heart slammed against my ribcage. Our eyes locked, and a piercing recognition hung between us. I'll see you after class, he asked, as if it was even a question. And then he stood and I watched his godlike body move through a swarm of students to the front of the room. Welcome, everyone, he said. I'm sad to say that tonight is my last night here in Playa Vieja, my hometown, and I'm devastated to leave you all. The class laughed, shifting on their mats. So I want your focus tonight to be on one thing. Sage looked right at me. I want you to focus on love. He settled onto his mat, closed his eyes. Let's begin. After 90 minutes of glorious movement, Sage finally instructed us into our final resting pose. He turned the lights off, silenced the music, invited us to lay back fully on our mats and let everything go. You've earned this rest, he said quietly. If it feels right, flutter your eyes closed. Feel the earth beneath you. I exhaled, body humming with soft energy, and listened to the sounds of Sage traveling to the back row of students. Throughout the class, he'd been adjusting students with his skilled hands, giving massages and assessing alignment. I could hear his feet now, quietly moving toward me. My eyes were closed, and I couldn't help but send up a silent plea he was coming my way. Closer, and then closer still. A steady heat was already pulsing between my legs at the anticipation of being touched. May I touch you, Olivia? He asked, lips against my ear again. I nodded, kept my eyes closed, hyper aware of his big body so close to mine. Sage inhaled with me, then his strong fingers landed on my bare shoulders, pressing down, opening the tight muscles. They moved lower, past my elbow, back up again, almost grazing the sides of my breasts, but not quite. His thumbs landed on my forehead, stroked down to my temples, soothing, and then those same fingers dove into my hair, scratching against my scalp in the most delicious way. I bit my lip, purring before I could stop myself. Sage stilled at the sound and my eyes flew open. His sea-green eyes were rapacious, hungry, jaw clenched. We were breathing rapidly together. He started scratching my scalp again, and my eyes closed in pleasure. Then they dipped to my neck, massaging my aching muscles. Heat pooled low in my belly, a wanton heavenly sensation bursting everywhere his skin touched mine. Sage gripped the back of my neck, firmly, possessive, and my toes curled. Those fingers dragged between my shoulder blades, loosening the tight bundle of muscles that screamed at me all day long. 
Back and forth his fingers worked, my body moving with them, my back arching off the mat. I opened my eyes again, and Sage looked even hungrier. It was so dark in that room, and everyone else's eyes were closed, and I entertained a brief fantasy of fucking him right there, right now on my mat. We'd have to stay quiet. So quiet. Sage placed his fingers on my spot, the spot, the one just on the side of my neck. Held my gaze, trailed those fingers up to my ears, made tiny, purposeful circles on my earlobe, then danced them back down again. To an untrained eye, Sage was giving me a head massage, but I knew he was reminding me of all the times I'd blissed out under his talented lips as he kissed that stretch of skin over and over. My nipples were hard against my sports bra, and his starved eyes flickered over them. His jaw tightened. I wanted his palms to shift down my collarbone, my chest, over my nipples. Begin to awaken your body with small movements, Sage said, voice raised. There was a roughness that hadn't been there earlier. Stretching your arms and legs, slowly re-entering the room. I was awake, wide fucking awake, every nerve ending mourning the loss of Sage's talented fingers. I poured my body over to the side, sliding up into a cross-legged pose. Everyone's attention was centered on the sexy yoga teacher in the front of the room. Sage grinned, pressing his hands together in front of his chest. Thank you for allowing me the privilege of teaching you these past few days. It's so wonderful, in the mad rush of our daily lives, to come home. I was raised on the beaches right outside this studio, and this small town contains my very best memories. Sage's eyes found mine. I fell in love here. That kind of soulmate love that only happens once in a life. Being here, with all of you, has reminded me of how beautiful that can be. He cleared his throat, refocusing on the class. I have an abundance of gratitude for my time here with you. Remember, these 90 minutes can be your peace within the chaos. You always deserve peace. You always deserve rest. You always deserve love. It took a long time for the room to clear. Fans were clamoring for Sage's attention. He was so good with his students, listening intently. He showed them poses that worked for their different abilities and cheered when they shared personal triumphs. He wasn't smarmy or cheesy. His love for yoga radiated through every touch, every action. And I was happy to watch him for an hour, lightly doodling on a small sketch pad I'd brought, just in case inspiration struck. And by the time an exhausted-looking sage walked barefoot to my mat, I'd drawn him five times in five different yoga poses. Olivia, he grinned, sinking down next to me. Beautiful class, Sage McAllister, I said. And quite a passionate head massage. He blushed. Yeah, well, you inspired me. Did I? Sage reached forward, tucking a strand of hair behind my ear. I couldn't quite read his expression. 
Are you okay? You thinking about the contract you need to sign for the TV show? He shook his head, sliding his hand in mine. I'm thinking about taking you on a date, Olivia. Sage and I sat on a bench on the boardwalk, kids and families and tourists streaming behind us in loud, chattering groups. Playa Vieja's boardwalk was tiny, but earnest, and a place we'd frequented as high school sweethearts. We were sharing a bucket of popcorn and two cheap beers, bare feet in the cool sand. This is already the best date of my life, I teased, nudging Sage's shoulder with mine. I'd take this overly buttered, overly salted popcorn that Marie sells at the candy shop over some trendy Brooklyn restaurant any day of the week. That good, huh? Sage grinned, holding a kernel between his fingers. I leaned forward, grabbed it with my teeth. Oh, yeah, I said. I don't know, Sage. Those six years in New York were perfect for what they were. I was wild and adventurous and made art and lived a little dangerously and didn't give a fuck about anything. But for months now, all I've been thinking about is home, here. I want to eat breakfast burritos at the Paradise Cafe and listen to the old surfers talk about their best waves, spend random Tuesday nights with my parents and brothers, sink back into a place that moves more intentionally and isn't afraid to embrace its weirdness. That's Playa Vieja to me. I'm ready for it now. If I could be a broke, happy artist anywhere, I'd choose here. I see that for you, Liv, he said. I'm so incredibly happy to hear that. Sage was staring at the waves like he could physically stop them with his mind. I recognized that look. So I guess you'll be staying in Los Angeles then? For the show? My words hung between us, and more than a minute passed before Sage grimaced, taking a swig of his beer. Olivia, can I talk to you about something? He asked. Always, I promised. Spill the beans, McAllister. That got me a shadow of a smile. I'm not sure I'm doing the right thing anymore. With yoga or the show or my studio, I, well, I keep thinking about my teacher training, which I started just a few months after we broke up, at this hole-in-the-wall studio in West Hollywood. Maya, my teacher, pushed me past what I thought were my physical and mental limits. She saw the same thing you did. I was restless with no direction. But suddenly I was going to yoga five days a week, training to be a teacher, and my body settled. Does that make sense? Of course, I said, wishing I still had my sketch pad. Sage's profile in the waning light would have made Renaissance masters weep. We learned that yoga was a practice for everyone, a practice for the people, because every person in our society deserved to feel physically and mentally free, to commune with their breath, their muscles, their place in this world, Regardless of their ability, body shape, wealth, or status, it's not something you earn. It's your right. Do you believe that? I asked. With my whole heart, he said. But then, what the fuck am I doing, Liv? I guess the first time my studio waitlist got long, 
I thought it was okay, even though you shouldn't have to wait weeks to take a yoga class, especially one that's $50 a class. I whistled beneath my breath. I know, he said, it's terrible. And then I did a private session for one celebrity, a minor movie star who's super active on social media. I didn't know it would create this ripple effect so quickly. Now everything feels out of control, and I'm pulled in a million different directions, and none of it feels good. That's an easy thing to get trapped in, Sage, I said. I talk about it with artist friends all the time. If we'd go commercial, it's every person's choice, and I'm not going to lie and say I haven't considered it. Money is essential to live. But the more you have, the more you want. Now I think about money all the time, Sage continued. And I feel strange saying this, but every time a fan comes up to me, my ego gets this reward. I don't want to like it, but I do. Ah, I sighed, popping a handful of popcorn into my mouth. The great Sage McAllister is human. Or a fucking monster, he said. No way, I said. It's not that bad yet. So you moved to LA, got sucked into the celebrity scene, and made some bad choices. Who hasn't? Every decision you've made thus far is reversible. I brushed a curl from his forehead, and our gazes met. Tell me what you love about teaching yoga. Sage thought for a moment, idly pulling at the label of his beer. I love watching my students let go of the stress and bullshit in their daily lives. I love teaching a practice that can work for all bodies and all abilities. I love that if you come to a yoga class and sit on your mat breathing, you've technically accomplished yoga. No ego, no competing against yourself, no needing to look a certain way. The person doing a handstand and the person in child's pose are both equal. I love seeing the same students and building a community. I swallowed past a lump in my throat because everything he said made sense within the context of who I knew Sage to be. During our relationship, even though we were teenagers and supposed to be self-centered, Sage was kind-hearted, open-minded, always willing to help those who needed it. He just always lacked a purpose, and it seemed like Sage had finally found a passion that fit. I think that's beautiful, Sage, I finally said, and I think you can make all of those things still happen. But not with a TV show, I wanted to say. But he needed to come to that conclusion, any conclusion, on his own. Seeing you in that yoga studio, Olivia, it was like every uneasy feeling I'd had these past few years slammed into me. I couldn't ignore it any longer. The things that make me feel good are you and yoga, but not fancy, expensive, body-shaming yoga, a real practice for real people. Interesting idea, I said. I bet you could create something like that in Los Angeles. Or here, he said. Butterflies swirled in my stomach at the thought of Sage and I back in Playa Vieja together. Or here, I grinned. He caught it, returning the gesture. You're the only person I've confessed these feelings to, he said. 
I have to give Rita my answer tomorrow. Do you know what your decision will be? I think so, he said softly. The sea breeze wove a complex pattern between us, and when I inhaled, it was the scent of sweet nostalgia. Our young love, the way we used to run recklessly into the waves of Playa Vieja without a care in the world, head first, heart open. I sat up on my knees, tilted Sage's face toward mine and brushed my lips against his. A teasing caress, nothing more. You make me feel good too, Sage, I said, breaths mingling. You make me feel everything. And then I slanted my lips over his and kissed my high school sweetheart for the first time in six years. A kiss I thought would be tender was instantly wild. Sage's fingers dove into my hair, holding me still, while his other arm yanked me against his body. His firm lips were as sure and sexy as I'd remembered. Sage used to kiss me for so long and so well, I'd almost climax. It was the way his lips moved over mine, the soft vibrations of his groans, his palms stroking down my spine to land possessively on my ass. And then my lips parted, and his tongue slid against mine. A gentle stroke, a teasing exploration, and I wrapped my arms around his neck and gave myself over to the passion of this moment, the feel of utter, total completion. There's something I can't stop thinking about, Liv. Sage whispered against my skin, lips trailing over my jaw, kissing down my neck. What's that? I sighed, moaning when his mouth landed on the spot. I keep thinking about the first time I was inside you, he said, sucking my sensitive skin between his teeth. I arched against him, threaded my fingers into his curls. Oh yeah? I was all nerves and electric sensation. Right over there on that beach, he said, lips tracing the shell of my ear. We were making out in front of everyone on the boardwalk and I didn't give a good goddamn. Right there on that beach, I had the privilege of fucking you. Yes, I said, the memories flying back. The pain, the pinch, the sweet, heady fullness of Sage's cock. You made me come on my first time. That takes talent, Sage McAllister. Sage scraped his teeth along my earlobe. I was vibrating with arousal, subtly shifting my hips against his waist. With some help, he rasped. You fingered your clit, remember? Showed me how you touched yourself while I stroked inside you. Still the hottest thing I've ever seen. Sage, I panted, because it was too much. The erotic memories, his lips on my neck, the feel of his hard, muscled body against mine. I have an idea. For the next part of our date. And what's that, gorgeous? He grinned and licked his tongue into my mouth. I clutched his face, rocking my hips against him, trailed my fingers down the rippling strength of his stomach onto the hard, thick length of his cock. He hissed in a breath, jaw tight. 
Why don't you fuck me on this beach right now? Five. Sage. It was like the universe had sent Olivia Wynne back to Playa Vieja to remind me of all that was good in life, to remind me of the values I'd once held dear. That we all had the ability to rechart our navigation, or even tear the map in half and start completely anew. The love of your soulmate will do that for you. Olivia and I raced across the warm moonlit beach just like we had all those years ago, the night we'd lost our virginities to each other. And just like that night, my heart roared like a lion in my chest, a combination of nerves and adrenaline making me feel invincible. Here, I said, dragging us behind a large outcropping of dark rocks. No one can see us down here from the boardwalk. To be honest, I don't really care, Olivia said and I dragged her against me for a bruising kiss. You've become quite the depraved individual over the past six years, I growled, nipping at her lip. She shrugged, tried to palm my cock, but I grabbed her wrist. Get on that beach towel, I said, reaching around to slap her ass. Now. She smirked, dropping down, stretching out sinuously, beckoning. I crawled slowly up her body, ghosting my lips along her stomach, between her breasts. With one hand, I wrenched her wrists over her head, pinning them in the sand. Ah, I think about all of our firsts, all the time, I said, smiling against her lips. I slid my palm under her tank top, flattening my fingers against her strong belly. Olivia laughed softly. We were always pretty eager to learn from each other. I'm pretty sure you and I invented sexting, I chuckled. Always the dirty girl, Olivia Wynn. I edged my fingers under her sports bra, stroking the swell of her breasts. I swallowed a ragged groan, needing control in this vital moment between us. Remember when you drew me on this beach? And you felt this for the first time? I dragged the tips of my fingers over her hard nipples, and she arched up in the sand. Ah, I'd been fantasizing about, mm, about second base with you for months. She bit her lip, pushing her nipples up into my fingers. My thumb circled and circled, drawing her nipple into tight peaks. Olivia was sighing head thrashing on the sand. But I took my time, content to stroke and tease her nipples for a long time. I captured her lips, gave her a long, bruising kiss as my fingers roamed beneath her sports bra. What about this? I rasped, pinching, exploring. Oh, God, yes, she said, eyes bright with lust. And what about this? I sucked her nipple through the fabric, soaking it with my tongue. Olivia's wrists almost came flying off the sand. I pulled her up to sitting so I could remove her shirt and bra, tossing them to the side. 
The moonlight caressed Olivia's tanned skin, dark hair falling in waves around her shoulders. I gripped her face, kissed her hungrily. Sage, she panted. And then I took her nipple between my lips and she cried out. I let out a low growl against her skin, palms moving down her bare back. Then I shoved her back to the sand and flicked my tongue over the tight peaks. Olivia was already chanting my name, and I'd barely touched her. She was always like that, brazen hot and hungry for pleasure. I sucked her nipples, pulling them between my teeth as my fingers slid inside her yoga pants, over her underwear. Mmm, the first time I made you come like this, Olivia? I felt like a fucking god, I hissed, finding her soaked and hotter than ever. I stayed over her underwear, teasing her clit with the gentle circles. Olivia was moaning now, eyes closed and throat exposed. Mm, the first time you made me come, I felt like I was flying, she sighed. That feels so Good, Sage. I moved down the contours of her body, tasting her hip bones, the freckle near her belly button. I slowly, slowly peeled away her final layer, until Olivia was naked on the beach in front of me. I didn't know how amazing it would feel to touch you here, I said, stroking between her folds hooking two fingers deep inside the tight glove of her pussy. It wasn't easy, finding your G-spot. And I remember trying a lot. I smirked down at Olivia, who was smiling and writhing under my ministrations. Don't be cocky, she said. But then I landed right on that spot of nerve endings, and her back bowed entirely off the sand. She clutched my hair, pulling in for a deep, searing kiss, biting my lip as I curled my fingers inside her. Mm, but do you remember the first day I did this? She said, reaching under my shorts to grip my cock. Mm, fuck, I grunted, shocked at the sensation. She teased me, tugged me, laughing against my lips as I groaned chanting my name as I fucked her cunt with my fingers. Oh, we were always so hot for each other, Liv. I untangled her fingers from my body so I could settle between her parted legs. I kept my fingers inside her as I inhaled the warm, earthy scent of her pussy. Oh, I've missed this. I kissed her thighs, licked her delicate folds, rolled my tongue around and around her clit. Just missing it. Oh, God, the first time you licked my pussy, Olivia said, both hands in my hair now, holding me in place. She was rocking her hips, rolling her body, desperate and needy. <laughs> you had to shove a pillow over your face to muffle your screams, I said. And she screamed again, as powerful as the swell behind us as I lavished her clit with my tongue. Ah, oh, yes, Sage, yes, Sage, she cried, fucking my face, riding the crest of an orgasm that had me grinding against the sand. 
You're so fucking beautiful like this, Olivia, I whispered. Climbed back up her body to kiss her throat, her neck, her cheek. I know, she moaned happily. Uh, and we haven't even done the best part yet. Which is? I nipped her lip. And she threw me onto my back, straddled me, looking flushed and orgasmic. I sat up, wrapping her legs around my waist, smoothing strands of her hair from her face. Fucking you bear, Olivia said. She ground against me, slid against my cock deliciously. I want your big, perfect cock just like this. She snapped her hips, drawing a rough moan from my lips. Please, I begged, and she did it again. I'm clean, and I need this live. Same here, clean and protected. My cock notched right at her entrance, and she dipped her hips an inch, taking just the head. I loved the way you fucked me that first time. Another inch. So slowly, so patiently, like we had all the time in the world. My fingers bruised her hips. My breath was coming in short, pained pants. I groaned, oh, baby, please. Olivia shook her head with a sexy smile. So I dragged my hands to her delicious hips and yanked her all the way down my cock. She cried out. I thrust my hips up hard. I've had longer to practice now, I managed, mouth against her ear. Let me fuck you like you want, Olivia. Let me give you what you need. I flipped her back onto her back, pulled her right leg over my shoulder. Ah, you make me feel so goddamn full, Sage, she sighed. Her fingernails raked down my back. The muscles of her pussy squeezed me so tightly I could barely breathe. Barely think except flex my hips hard and smile when she screamed again. That was all it took. I fucked Olivia with the raw, primal need built up from years apart. Years of tension and longing and sexual desire. Every thrust rocked us across the sand. Every thrust wrenched some guttural sound from the two of us. Her teeth bruised my shoulders as she rode out the endless pleasure. I drove my cock between her legs with one singular demand, to make her come again. My mouth found hers, and we kissed almost angrily, tongues and lips clashing in an erotic ballet. I wanted to fuck her forever, here on the beach, with the night air, and the ocean waves, and a future that felt limitless. Olivia's orgasm was big, and beautiful. As she screamed the stars, down I fell with her, emptying inside her as my climax raced up my spine. We were wrapped around each other, gasping for breath, humming sweet words between our lips. And when the sparks of our bliss finally abated, I realized the limitless future I'd envisioned had only one thing in it that truly mattered. Olivia. Rise and shine, McAllister. You've got decisions to make and a future to start. A foot was shoving my chest, 
Olivia's foot. I peeled open my eyes to see a sleepy-looking Olivia holding two giant styrofoam cups of coffee from the Paradise Cafe. Hair must, hickeys on her neck, wearing my sweatshirt. Mm, Can I wake up every day like this? I said, pulling her down for a kiss. We'd fucked and talked and fucked until dawn, falling asleep on the sand like we had countless times before, the waves of Playa Vieja soothing us to sleep. Maybe, Olivia said with a sly smile. Depends on what happens today. And what's that? I asked, sitting up and wincing. Between the wild sex and the hard beach, I was sore and aching. Olivia pressed the hot coffee into my hand, and I took a grateful sip. We're going to the cliffs, she said, and before she even finished the thought, I was already shaking my head. Nope. Yes, she exclaimed, pulling me up, dusting off the sand. They're right over there, and I've always found the best way to start the morning in Playa Vieja is by jumping off those cliffs into the ocean. Wakes you right up. I glanced at my phone. Six missed calls from Rita. Shit, I was supposed to call about the show today, I groaned, rubbing my hand down my face. I know, Olivia said softly, which is why I think we should walk and talk. Another yank, even though I'd been terrified of those cliffs since high school, I'd always been helpless when it came to Olivia Wind. We kicked off our flip-flops, pulling ourselves up the rocks that led to the edge. It was a hot, sunny day, and Olivia's hair shone like black diamonds. If you could do anything with your yoga career, right here and now, what would you do? She asked. I'd open up a non-profit yoga studio, I said then stopped on my tracks. Olivia turned, eyes wide. That was fast, she said. Yeah, I laughed. I guess it's been in the back of my mind for a while now. Tell me your idea for it. We were scaling the rocks, muscles moving, lungs working, and I got that same euphoric feeling I always got when my body was moving in a way that made it happy. My mind felt as clean and calm as a lake at sunrise. If I sold Sunfire, plus my house in L.A., I could buy a new space for a non-profit studio, have more than enough to invest and float us for a few years while we figured out a funding structure. It could be like sliding scale, pay what you can, or maybe discounts on certain days, a free day once a month. I was rattling off ideas, and Olivia was smiling at me, encouraging. I like it, I like it, she said. Yoga for the people. I was grinning broadly now, linking my fingers with Olivia's. Maybe. Well, I always had this idea about yoga outreach. Maya, my old teacher, used to do yoga in prison, at homeless shelters, for folks in recovery or people with chronic illnesses or pain, making sure yoga was truly accessible for everyone. My heart was growing lighter at the very thought. No more body obsession. No more ridiculous celebrity demands. No more feeling like I was doing something deeply disrespectful to the practice of yoga. That feels like a more honest expression of what you think yoga can be for people, Olivia said. It does. It feels 
Good. We reached the cliffs, which were really more like tall rocks than cliffs, a part of Playa Vieja that had taken on a scarier feel in my memory. The ocean was a pristine aquamarine color, waves gentle. Six years ago, Olivia had jumped from these cliffs right before she'd left for New York. We didn't know then how hard that semester would be for us as a couple. We only thought it would be a fun way to commemorate our time together before she left. I walked over to the edge. It was hardly 15 feet from the water. I can't believe I was afraid of this when I was a kid, I laughed. We're barely off the water. Olivia shrugged. Still badass, though. And I was still the only one that did it. I threw my arm over her shoulders, pulling her in for a side hug. Okay, oh badass one. Tell me why you dragged my poor, sex-exhausted body all the way up here. For fun, she said. I narrowed my eyes at her until she smiled. Okay, okay, you got me, she said. I just thought, I don't know, we could do it together. Jump into the water. Maybe talk about our future. And what would you like that to be? I asked, brushing the hair from her shoulder. I'm moving back here for good, Sage. I'm moving home. I don't know what my artistic career will look like, but who cares? It's scary, but thrilling. All at the same time, Olivia pushed up onto her tiptoes, pressing a gentle kiss to my lips. Come home, Sage. With me. I swallowed hard, chest tight with emotion. I'd like that very much. Where should I live? The old Victorian I'm moving into has an opening on the second floor, right beneath me. We could be neighbors, she said, eyebrow lifted. Neighbors, huh? I kissed her neck and she shivered. I've never had a boyfriend be my neighbor before. Boyfriend, huh? I teased. Yeah, she laughed. I figured I might as well just go for the gold. Pack up my life in New York, move home, get back together with my incredibly handsome, incredibly sexy, incredibly kind-hearted, formerly famous ex-boyfriend. Well, I guess I have to pack up my life in Los Angeles. Get back together with my incredibly beautiful, incredibly brave, incredibly talented ex-girlfriend. And the show? She asked, arms around my waist. I shook my head, glancing at the sun sailing above the horizon. I'm gonna say no. It never felt like a good decision. I think opening up a non-profit yoga studio feels like a better future, don't you think? Scarier. Maybe harder, but the right future for me, for us. Maybe you could even paint the studio walls with murals. I'd love that, Olivia said. The other night, you inspired me to draw this warrior woman. She had this internal heat that made her strong. The heart of a lioness. A breath of fire that propelled her through life. Beautiful, I said. Maybe our murals could feature all kinds of bodies and postures. All the many unique ways that yoga can be expressed. That sounds right for you, Sage, she said softly. A deep, 
unyielding weight was lifting from my shoulders, and my heart could have flowed. I'd carried this weight because I thought it was all part of the journey. But it was time to let it go. The celebrity, the fame, the pressure. I like the idea of you being a broke artist here. I leaned into her warmth, ghosting my lips across that sensitive spot on her neck. Maybe I can be your subject again? Interesting. Because I just started drawing nudes. I laughed, giving her a sloppy kiss on the cheek. Your wish is my command, Liv. And I love the idea of you being a slightly broke yoga teacher here. Olivia clapped her hands together. So it's settled then. We're coming home. Finally, I said. And after this, you're taking me for breakfast burritos, right? I kissed her. The years unfolding between us, our past just as important as our future. I kissed my soulmate, who I was lucky enough to meet when I was 15, at just the right time even luckier to meet again when I needed her the most. Yes to breakfast, I said. And what happens next? Olivia grinned, hair whipping around her face. She pulled me toward the edge of the cliffs, balancing on our toes. It was a beautiful day in Playa Vieja. We had the rest of our lives to figure it out. That's easy, Olivia laughed. We jump. Welcome back. Hey. So, like I said on last week's episode, or sorry, on Tuesday's episode, they're saying not to subscribe anymore because on Apple Podcasts, because it has a subscription service, maybe. So you can just follow. That's all you have to do is follow along. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, I saw something the other day that, you know, we're on Audible. So if you have an Audible app, you can listen on there. There are three, there's like 300 episodes. It said 300 episodes on, on Audible. And I was like, what? <laughs> How the fuck did that happen? I have no idea. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's on that's on Audible. And then I think uh, they were telling something the other day. There was a, a new place that popped up, and I was like, "This podcast is popping up everywhere." <laughs> so <laughs> it's really cool. And uh, well, let's see what do we have next week. So this is Catherine Nolan's Breath of Fire, and up next week oh, we have a brand new book from Piper Rain. It's called Brood Love. So that's going to be hot and sexy. It cu- what caught my eye, literally, because I just clicked on it, I see uh-huh. MMA fighter. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You <laughs> I have don't know why that attention. always grabs me, but mm-hmm. it does. I think because you can immediately picture him in your mind. Like sweaty, dirty, mm-hmm. aggressive, horny. If you're looking <laughs> for one of those right now, get defying the odds, because that's fucking good. Who's that by? That's by... Something Moon. She writes. She wrote a few books with um Kelly Lauren Moon. Daughter. Yeah, K E. Yeah, I actually just reread that book like a month ago. Did you really? What's it called again? Defying the odds. Okay. All right. We'll just write it down. Check the show notes. It's all going to be down there. All right. So tell them what to do then. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye guys. Bye. Read me romance.